Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our brand new series, Real Home. One of the greatest opportunities in life is to be part of something that will outlast oneself. Sunday, February 2nd through Sunday, March 16th, we will follow the incredible journey of Nehemiah as he risked it all, joining together with others to initiate an effort that would outlast them all. Together, we begin a journey at Valley Point Church towards a new home. Don't miss out on this incredible time. and Don't miss out on this opportunity to be a part of something that will outlast us all. Welcome to the official launch of Real Home. And I'm very thankful that you're here today as we start this journey together toward a future permanent home for Valley Point Church. We begin something today that's going to be very memorable. I think it's going to be very memorable for all of us, and I'm just really grateful that you're here. You know, one of the great opportunities, or one of the great privileges in life, is to be part of something that will outlast oneself. Like, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than being involved in building something that will outlive you. Nothing beats that. I want you to think for just a moment about a small group of individuals who back in 1971 made a very courageous and bold decision to build something that would outlive them. That something is now called Valley Point Church. And that was a bold step of faith. Do you remember what you were doing in 1971? Do you remember how old you were in 1971, if you even existed at all? I was one year old in 1971, and I don't remember much, and you may not either. So let's just have some fun with 1971. And I want to jog your memory for a bit and share with you some of the different things that were happening. So Check this out. In 1971, Richard Nixon was president. The 26th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution lowered the voting age to 18 that year. The median household income was just a little over $9,000. Can you imagine? Bridge Over Troubled Water was song of the year. Do we have any Simon and Garfunkel fans in here? Okay. We'll pray for you. In 1971, bell-bottom pants were the fashion trend, and Villanova made it to the Final Four of the men's NCAA basketball tournament, and best of all, Dallas lost the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. <laughs> so that all happened in 1971. Now, I know I lost a good majority of you, and your only takeaway today is that Dallas lost something. So I want to encourage you to get past that because... In 1971, there's something else that happened that might not have been on the national radar, but it was certainly on God's radar. And that is a group of people got together and they made a strategic choice to start Valley Point Church. And that step is still having impact because we're still here. We're still going. The church is still going. And I believe with everything inside of me that it is time to risk again. And so we begin this journey. 
I want to ask you to do something throughout this series, and that is, I want you to commit to being here for all seven weeks of this. I just want you to make the strongest effort that you've ever made to be here throughout this time frame, because I don't think you want to miss out on what God is going to do through each and every one of us, so that together we can move toward a real home. Okay? Great. Here's our big idea for today. And that is conversations with God will provide the foundation for our journey toward a real home. Conversations with God or prayer with God. That is what is going to provide the foundation for our journey toward a real home. And this is where we want to begin. This is how we want to start. Conversations with God. Prayer to our great Savior. I'm excited about introducing to you an individual from Scripture by the name of Nehemiah. And he's got a book in the Old Testament named after him. And that book just tells the story of what God did in and through his life. And it's an extraordinary book. And we're going to get to know Nehemiah well over these next seven weeks. And I'm excited about sharing his life and his story with you. By the way, if you're a parent, Nehemiah has something to say to you about how to lead your family. He really does. If you're a leader of any kind, Nehemiah will have something to say to you about how to lead your organization effectively. And if you desire to initiate change in your home or your school or your workplace or your community, the book of Nehemiah really outlines how to effectively do that in a way that works. So again, we're going to learn a lot from Nehemiah over the next several weeks. And what we discover in chapter 1, which is where we're going to begin today, is that Nehemiah does something very unique before all of the planning and before all of the different things that needed to be put in place for him to be this effective leader. He does something very unique. He has this conversation with God. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, or you can look at your smart device or on the screen, and I'm going to start reading with verse 1. Here's what it says. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in late autumn in the month of Kislev. Now, Kislev is the ninth month of the Jewish calendar, and it would parallel parts of our November and December. So in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I, Nehemiah, was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was Nehemiah's hometown. That's where He was born, that's where he grew up, but he wasn't living there anymore. He's working for another king and another kingdom, King Artaxerxes. And so he's very interested, what's happening in my hometown? What's going on over there? Verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed 
to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And I love that last line because it's almost thrown in there like an afterthought. So after all of the mourning and the crying and the praying and the fasting and Nehemiah just getting very serious and having a deep conversation with God where he pours out everything that is happening on the inside, he tells us, oh yeah, by the way, in those days, I was a cupbearer to the king. But it's such a unique phrase because it gives us a wonderful picture into who Nehemiah was and what he was doing for work at that time. He was a cupbearer to the king, but not just any king. It was King Artaxerxes, who at that particular time was a very powerful and a very influential man, and God put Nehemiah right next to that powerful and that influential man, and he served as a cupbearer. That was his job. Now, that's probably not on the lists of the top ten jobs that people want to do today. But back in this day and back in this culture, being a cupbearer to the king was a really important job. Like you wanted that job. If it became available, you raised your hand. You wanted in on that. And this is exactly where we find Nehemiah working. He's a cupbearer, which means that he's a high-ranking royal official who primarily serves wine to the king. And because kings were somewhat paranoid about information and about being poisoned and dying, it was very important that that individual be a person who had complete integrity, who was unquestionably loyal, and could win the confidence and favor of the king. And that's exactly what Nehemiah does. That's our guy. He is that kind of individual, and he has proximity to the king as a cupbearer. That's one of the things we know about him. He's got a high-ranking official job. He's really kind of an important guy. But there's something else that we pick up on in chapter 1 about Nehemiah, and that is he's kind of sad. He's really discouraged, and he's down, and he's depressed. And the reason he's down is because his city, his hometown, is devastated and ruined, and it moves him. 
I mean, when Nehemiah hears this news and when he picks up on the fact that where he was born and where he lived, the city that made God's name famous when it was just burned out and destroyed, he gets moved emotionally and he weeps and he cries. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you wept or cried over something? And Nehemiah gets this devastating news and it just ruins him, and he weeps, and he mourns. When's the last time that you wept over an injustice, or a cause, or a broken relationship, or pain, or some kind of news that just moves you emotionally, and causes you to weep and mourn? When's the last time? See, I fear that in our very fast-paced culture where we're checking things off a to-do list and it's all about accomplishing and climbing the next mountain and then getting to the next one and then once we climb that, let's go to the next one, that we kind of miss out on what God is doing around us and we don't get moved emotionally anymore and we've stopped weeping and crying for things that matter. So that didn't happen for Nehemiah. He gets this news and he begins to weep and there's quite a bit happening here. But when he gets moved, when he begins this weeping and crying, he does something else that must provide the starting point for us. All right? So we're thinking about the great journey in front of us and what God is going to do right here in this place and helping us courageously step out and build a real home. And there's something that Nehemiah did that we must also implement. And that is he kind of stepped back from the situation and he just had a conversation with God. That's what he did. He prayed. And before all the planning and the strategizing and the implementing and here's what we need to do and here's how we're going to rebuild the city and here's how we're going to make God's name famous which is coming in the next set of chapters but before all of the planning and before all of the strategizing, Nehemiah has an intense conversation with God. He prays. He had this holy discontent on the inside. He wasn't satisfied with the way that things were and he knew that they could be better, and so he has a conversation. And it's really unique, because in this conversation, here's what Nehemiah says. He starts out by saying, God, you're great. God, you are a great God. And then Nehemiah says, I'm not so great. I've got some issues, and I've got some things on the inside that I need to confess. I need to get clean. And then Nehemiah comes back and says, God, you're really great. And then he says, God, hears the need. So, God, you're great. I'm not so great. God, you're really great. And God, hears the need. And so what I'd like to do is kind of just peel apart those four different statements and look at the depth of Nehemiah's prayer here. So he begins by saying, God, you're great. We see that in verse 5. Nehemiah says, Oh Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. And he's acknowledging the fact right here that God is big and awesome. God, you're great. That's how it starts. 
And then he moves into the confessional part where Nehemiah acknowledges, I'm not that great. And here's what we find in verse 6. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family. And I have sinned. Look, God wants us to confess. He loves it when we do that. And he invites us to step directly into his presence and confess all of the junk and the failures and the sin that is inside of us so that we can be clean and we can continue to move forward. God loves it when his kids come to him and confess. And that's what Nehemiah does right here. He's like, God, you're great. I've got a problem. I'm not so great. And he gets clean and he confesses. And then he moves on and he says, God, you're really great. Verse 10, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. God, you're really great. And we're here to serve. And then he finishes this conversation with God by saying, here's the need. Verse 11, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And with this prayer, here's what Nehemiah is saying. I'm available. I'm ready. Use me. God, I'm stepping back and I'm having this conversation with you. And I'm saying... I'm available. I'm ready. Use me. God, over here. I'm available. I'm ready. Use me. I've got my hand up. Put me in. I'm available. I'm ready. Use me. And as we begin our journey toward a real home, there is something that we must, 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 we just absolutely must do and that is declare ourselves available and say to God, we're here, we're ready, use us. And uniquely, we get the chance to use the same kind of language that Nehemiah used. God, you're great. I'm not so great. God, you're really great. And here's the need. God, you're great. We don't have time here today to talk about how great God is and all of the different things that he's done for individuals in this room and what he's done for us as a faith community. I mean, God is amazing. God is great. But we need to move from there and say, God, I'm not so great. And I'm going to bring my junk and my failures and my sin and I'm going to step directly into your presence and I'm going to seek forgiveness. And God tells us when we do that, He forgives and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And then we have the chance to step back into his presence and say, God, you're really great. And then God hears the need. By the way, we have a real need. This isn't just a want or a wish. We have a real need for a faith home. And listen, it is normal and natural for God's people to long for a permanent place to worship him. So we're going to step into the presence of God and we're going to ask with confidence, we're going to ask with specifics, and we're going to ask with emotion that God would grant us something that allows us to make his name great, a real home.
So here's our takeaways for today. First of all, let's pray because it shows dependency. And we need to start this whole journey by being very dependent on God because this is not something that we can accomplish without his help and divine guidance. And so we're going to pray because it shows dependency. And I want to call our entire church to a week of prayer where we're just saying collectively as a group, I'm available, I'm ready, use me. And in doing that, it's going to show our dependence on God and it's going to help us confidently step out and take this bold step of faith. So let's pray. Let's pray because it shows our dependency and our trust in a great God. And then secondly, let's pray for others. Let's pray for the communities that surround us who desperately need a faith home, a place where they can go and they can discover that there is a God who loves them deeply and has a specific purpose and plan for their lives. Outside of this room, thousands of people who don't know about God's love and we have this amazing opportunity in front of us to build a home for them where they will have the chance when God moves in their heart to discover his great love and his amazing plan for their lives. So let's pray for others. Let's pray for the thousands of people outside of here who need a faith home. And then let's pray for God to change us and to change us into whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. To help us with this, each person, when they walk out of here in just a few moments, will be given a seven-day prayer guide that has been designed for you, and the prayers are written, and there are scripture pieces there. And I want you to do more than just take that thing and hide it somewhere or throw it away. I want you to take that thing because we're saying we want to start this the Nehemiah way. We want to begin by having conversations with God and prayer with God, that's going to pave the way for our journey toward a real home. And so I want each and every person to take that prayer journal and just begin to walk through those specific prayers and the different verses that are there. And let's lift this up corporately together. Day one starts tomorrow. And we'll conclude day seven next Sunday right in here together. And even if you're not really a praying type of person or if that seems kind of strange to you, just give it a shot. Give it a shot and see what God does in your life and what he does through all of us. And so you're going to get that prayer journal in a moment. And I want to encourage you, take that and let's do what Nehemiah did. Let's kind of step back and have real conversations with God because that's going to pave the way for our real home. I've got a video I want you to watch. It just kind of shares the story of Valley Point Church and the dream we have of building a real home for God, for others who aren't even here yet, and also for us where we can deepen our friendship with God. And so I want you to watch this and you just listen to whatever it is that God is whispering into your heart. Let's check this out. thousand years ago, something began, a movement began called the church. 
And it started as a place where people experienced hope and joy and generosity. It was a place where people were really unified and they cared about each other. And they had great impact. Impact that is hard to describe. It was a dynamic, prevailing movement. And what made it so unique is that people actually wanted to be there. And the good news is that movement is still going. The church is still going. And what started a few thousand years ago is very much alive. It's alive in us. I often think about how our church began. It's just kind of a fun thing to do, and it's a great story. In 1971, a small group of people started this faith community. Their willingness to step out and do something that isn't that easy is pretty remarkable. 42 years later, two of those founding families are still a part of our church today. And I think they're amazing people who love God and love His church. Their faithfulness through the years has set a great example for us and for future generations. And we owe a debt of gratitude for their vision and obedience and sacrifice. In 1974, that initial group purchased the current Bethel Road property and a church home was built. The church met there from 1974 until 2005 when a strategic choice was made to meet in the Garnet Valley Middle School to accommodate growth. The church continued to grow. Leadership changed. And then in 2011, we clarified our vision, changed our name, and are now focusing all of our attention on pointing people to real relationships with God and others. And these relationships are giving us the opportunity to have real significance in our communities, the places that we live. Through our love days, these events where we go out and simply help and serve others, We've had the opportunity together to help homeless shelters in Chester and Wilmington. We've served local public schools, a pregnancy center, as well as a shelter for young girls who are being exploited. We've had the opportunity to serve children, adults, and their families affected by developmental disabilities. We've cleaned up parks. We've repaired the homes of single moms and widows. Go, serve, and love has become part of what we do in our local communities. And we've had a lot of fun serving others. And in places like Russia and the Dominican Republic, we're serving orphans and helping those in poverty. Our impact and generosity in our local communities and around the world is growing. I think that we're just beginning to scratch the surface of what God can do through us his church, real relationships, real significance. It's happening. And God has positioned us to have major impact, and it's very exciting. I honestly believe that the next right step for us is to build a real home, a permanent place for us to gather so that we can reach more, show the community we're here to stay, and provide space for generations to call home. Our future home has been designed, and it very much has the look of a community center, which fits our vision of being a place that exists to help and serve others. That's what we want to do, and and that's the story we want to tell with our facility. It will be a 16,000-square-foot, 
two-story structure that will seat 309 people in the auditorium while also providing space for our children's environments. This seven-day-a-week facility will give us new opportunities to bring hope to others. The total project cost is $3.5 million. Our goal with this Real Home campaign is to raise $1.2 million, $200,000 in cash donations, and then $1 million in three-year commitments. Our campaign will conclude with a commitment Sunday on March 16th, where we'll all have the chance to participate in something special, a real home for God, for others, and for me. I can't think of a better kingdom investment than in something that will outlive all of us. It's actually a rare thing in life to even have the opportunity to be involved in something that will outlive us. And we have that opportunity in front of us. We're faced with the choice. Will we have the courage to reach the thousands of people around us who need a faith home? I believe that's exactly what God is asking of us. And I want to invite every single person to begin praying now about what God wants to accomplish through us to help Valley Point take this step of faith, this courageous step of faith. We have an amazing opportunity in front of us to continue this movement right here in our backyard called the church. It's time. It's time. Join me and let's take this step of faith. Let's sacrifice and stand on the shoulders of those who started this church and do the next right thing and build a real home. It's time. It's time, and the journey has begun, and I can't wait to see what God does through each and every one of us to help Valley Point build a real home for God, for others, and for all of us. And we want to begin this the right way. We want to do what Nehemiah did in chapter 1 before all of the planning and strategizing. We want to step back and just allow our conversations with God to pave the way for our journey toward a real home. So I want to invite you into a moment of prayer right now, and let's just talk to our great Father. God, what we ask of you now is for you just to work in our lives and that you would help us to have soft and sensitive hearts to whatever it is that you begin to whisper in us as we take this journey toward a real home. God, I'm so excited about what we're going to get to experience and how you're going to work. And so, God, as we begin this, we kind of just want to step back and have conversations with you and say that we're trusting in you. We're depending on you, and we want to see you work. God, I believe a real home for Valley Point Church makes your name very famous in this area and certainly beyond. And so we want to do this for you, for your recognition and for your fame. God, we also want to do this because we understand that outside of here are thousands of people who need to hear about a God who loves them and has a very specific purpose for their lives. And God, we also take this step because we desire to have a home 
where we can deepen our friendship with you and benefit from the community of other believers who are making the same kinds of choices and are walking through the same kinds of struggles. We get the support network to walk through life together. So God, we want to humble ourselves right now. And we want to say, you're great. You're great. We also want to acknowledge that we probably have some stuff to confess. So God, work in us and bring that to light so we're just very aware of what we need to lay at your feet and confess. And God, help us to come back and say, you're really great. And then God, we have a need. We have a need for a real faith home. God, we're coming up on 10 years of being portable. And this facility and this school has been a great place for us. And you've used it and we've grown here. But our heart's desire is to have that permanent space. So we ask for that. Specifically, we ask for that on our Bethel Road property and pray that you'd begin to work out all of the different details. God, we want to stand on the shoulders. of a group of of very brave people who chose to risk and sacrifice so many years ago in 1971 and 1974. And that sacrifice is really an incredible thing to think about. And God, it's our time. It's our time to stand on their shoulders and to risk again and to sacrifice and to become generous for you, for others, and even for us. So God, as we take this step, give us confidence, give us clarity. We want to do this with you. We want you to be guiding the way. And so we pray this. And God, even as we begin our seven days of prayer starting tomorrow and then ending in here next Sunday, God, use that to give us a unity and a sense of God's great ability and power to accomplish much. We worship you now. And thank you for being our great rescuer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.